there. You're listening to Married to the Ministry, which is part of the Love Worth Finding podcast network. If you are a pastor's wife looking for encouragement or for practical wisdom on how to manage all the challenges of your role with a smile on your face, we're so glad you're here. This is your host, Janet Addison, and I'd like to help you embrace truth and delight in your ministry life. I've just made some yummy hot tea, so why don't you grab a cup and let's chat for a while. Hi, I am so glad that you're here today. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Several episodes back, Gina Floyd and I talked about how sometimes we as uh, ministry wives need counseling (laughs) to help us deal with some of the unique, difficult challenges that we face when we're married to the ministry. Um, So today I have a treat for you, and I'll put that uh, link for the previous episode in the show notes. But today I... uh, I'm going to let you in on a a free counseling session, and um, I have a guest today who's going to be joining us, Tina Thompson. Hi, Tina. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Yeah, Tina is a, um, she's not only a certified biblical counselor, she's been um, counseling women uh, in an official capacity for about 10 years, but she is also a ministry wife. And um, her journey in ministry with her husband has been a little more non-traditional than some of us. So, Tina, tell us tell us a little bit about what being married to the ministry has looked like for you. Okay, yeah. So we, um, when my husband was first called into ministry, he was called out of advertising, and so um, God, in His unique way, took him from advertising to a large church where he could use his gifts in advertising. And um, he worked at Bellevue Baptist Church, which was a large church. So he was able to use that and be the minister of communication. So in that sense, I became a traditional minister's wife. So we were there for almost 10 years. And um, Pastor Rogers passed on. And then Larry, uh, my husband, other churches started contacting him and saying, can you do what you did for Bellevue for us? So now we have a communications ministry for other churches and organizations such as um, he does a lot with Arkansas Baptist and um, some other churches. And so now I'm in a non-traditional ministry wife. However, I've picked up more in ministry (laughs) in the counseling side. So I've seen both sides of ministry and and now I counsel ministers' wives. And so... And y'all are right now living in, let's say you're in Memphis for a number of years, and that's that's where you and I connected because we were on staff together. Our husbands were on staff together. And then y'all were in Kentucky for a number of years, and now you're in Florida. Right. So how was it for you being a staff wife and then having to find a church as just a normal church member? Um, has that was that a tr- a weird transition for you, or was that pretty smooth? Or it was hard because you're used to knowing everybody or people knowing you, and you you go to a church where nobody knows you. Um, you're no longer on praise team. My husband's no longer a staff member, and so it wasn't hard in the sense of sitting there and soaking in. It was actually a blessing to be able to not be involved for a little while, right? Not know all the 
sometimes right. dirtier. Yes, <laughs> the inside junk. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And so that was refreshing. That part was refreshing. I think the hardest part for me was um, friend, leaving friendships, um, but it's been very interesting and amazing as me being a counselor at the church, um, both the last two, Kentucky and this church. Now I have an office at the church in um, counseling many women, but within those two churches, I've counseled four ministers' wives. Mm -hmm. And and there are some, there are five or six basic things that we all have dealt with that when I was a minister, a traditional minister's wife, I dealt with, and I see the same things, you know, coming up again and Mm -hmm, again mm -hmm. and again. Just some common things that that we struggle with. Well, before we talk about those, um, can you share something that uh, brought you joy as a ministry wife when y'all were Mm -hmm. official (laughs) (laughs) official minister and wife? Yes. I think people, I love people. I'm a people person. Um, I'm by no means an introvert. So, you know, just being able to talk to people and know so many different types of people, different backgrounds, different. I love that. I thrive on everybody has different personalities and, you know, where some people would say that personality gets on my nerves, you know, and I think it helps the getting older too. I realize that's part of the body. And Mm -hmm. um, so just getting to know a lot of people, I love, I loved when I was in the traditional pastor's wife setting, when I'm out and about and go out and about and you see someone from the church Mm -hmm. and you get to love on them, maybe even stop and pray with them or hug on them. Um, There's nothing that brings me more joy than that. Mm -hmm. Just interactions with with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's really good. Okay. Well, let's get to the serious part because I know, um, I, I'm not surprised at all that you formally went into counseling um, after uh, I knew you some because you naturally have that kind of a heart. And so I know you told me you've been doing this, um, you know, professionally, I guess, for around 10 years, but you've been counseling women for much longer than that. So um, what did you experience as a ministry wife challenges that you are seeing women still struggle with today? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go back to our seminary years. Um, we So in order for our husbands to graduate, this, the wives had to take a seminary wives or a minister's wives class. Mm-hmm. And I remember her teaching in that class, <clears throat> friendships in the church are very tricky and that was one of the issues that we covered. And I thought, oh, no, that's going to be so easy. But she was very <laughs> right. <laughs> she was so right in that. Um, she she said several things about friendships within the church. Um, she would say she, she would recommend, and this is what the class taught, <clears throat> she would recommend that you didn't have your closest friend in the church if possible mm-hmm. um, because women get jealous and women can be petty. And so she said, I did if, not know that. <laughs> if you've been a woman anytime at all, a woman anytime at all, you've heard. So she said, and that just brings up some difficult times that you don't have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said, I, she told us she would recommend us find a, another minister's wife in the community where you could sit and have coffee and cry together, pray together, that kind of thing. 
And I just thought that was so foreign when she talked about that. But then as we became in ministry, I began really quickly realize that um, people want to be your friends, but there sometimes is an agenda behind that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's still today, the pastor's wives I've counseled, that's still some of the things that they um, have dealt with. Now, the church, even though the last church we were in, I was not a traditional minister's wife, but I'm in the ministry and in my counseling ministry, I had a really, I actually had two really good friends that um, they, I just asked them when our friendships began and we began getting closer and in the word together, pray together. If at church they could maybe just hold back from running to me and talking because I didn't want other women. And they were so, they were like, yes, we, we understand that. We see that. And so we would have the best time out and about and away from church, but at church, they honored, um, people coming up afterwards and just let everybody else talk or want to, you know, want to talk to me or have a question. And, and in my ministry, which is counseling, I get a lot of women who will come up after. And so this, played really well with the class that I took about friendships within the church. She said, try to have, if you have a close friend in the church, ask them if they'll honor not coming up to you after church. We will see each other later somewhere else. Just to not hog you at church, basically. Right, right. Give you the freedom to to talk to other people. Yes. And I thought that is, that was so foreign when she said it. I thought that just doesn't sound right. (laughs) But boy, did it make sense. And then these two women at the past church we were at, they were just so gracious about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's one thing. And then she also warned us that there sometimes are women who want to get close really fast and they'll do everything for you. But there's an agenda behind it, which which might be so that they can get any information to your husband they want. You know, if they want to tell him something, they'll think you can do it for him. We'll talk about that in a minute. And um or, you know, they they want you to run something the way they want it run or you to be in the ministry they want it to be you to be in. And we'll talk about that in a minute, too. <laughs> so, you know, so you have to be very discerning as a pastor's wife. Um, those she warned she was just I love this. She warned us if be just be careful don't be afraid of, but be careful of those who want to make friendships really quick and want to do everything for you, you know, to earn your favor really quick. She just said, be discerning about that. And so I thought, and that's very wise too, because I've seen it time and time again. Um, an example is when we were at the church at, um, at Bellevue, um, we had someone come up to us and say they had given a huge amount of money and then they gave it with an agenda, you know. I wanted to tell you how to spend it. Yes. And tell Larry how to spend it. It was their money and (laughs) they wanted it spent this way. (laughs) And of course we had to explain graciously, you know, if it's a gift and it's a gift to the Lord, then you have to let the pastors in or whoever's in charge of the finances, they have prayed over the church and what is needed and they'll know where the best need is. You see, you have to, Mm -hmm. there'll be times you have to explain that. Um, we had uh, a little man at Bellevue and he would follow us after church every week, every week. I want you to tell Dr. Rogers this. I want you to, t- <laughs> I mean, every week <laughs> we finally got to where we were going. Now, this is not how not to do it, ladies. <laughs> we, we went around the back of the church, up some steps to the second floor, around back steps and back down. <laughs> 
because we had keys to get access to the other right. place. And so to avoid this little man, and he was like an 80 some year old man. So uh, we finally one week said, no, this little 80 year old man cannot scare us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to so, quit hiding. <laughs> we got to quit hiding. <clears throat> And so we finally stood our ground and said, if you want to tell the pastor this, you're going to have to tell him yourself and um, don't run and hide, but face it head on and, you know, face it gently with mercy and grace, like Christ says with us. Mm -hmm. But, um, but they do have to understand you can't always just get to the pastor and you can't always use me to get to the pastor as a pastor's wife. Right. Um, And I, you know, we had to tell him that. Let me ask you, before we get too far removed from it, you mentioned the importance of using discernment mm-hmm. in knowing who really wants to genuinely get to know you and have a relationship with you and who wants to use you for another purpose. How do you develop discernment? Mm-hmm. I, I, this is going to sound very basic and very simple, but it's so true. And James 1, 5 says, if you ask for wisdom, I will give it to you and I'll give it to you generously. And I thought that is so amazing that God says, I will give you my wisdom and I'm just glad to do it. That's my interpretation. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thrilled to do it because you're asking and literally, and I have to do that today because of my position at the church. God, help me to see, um, who is genuine, help me to see who has an agenda so that I can be prepared when I have to deal with this person. And he's very gracious. The spirit in me, and I know he works differently in each person, but he is in us. Mm -hmm. And I think we rob ourselves of that. That's a gift from the cross that was bought for us is the spirit in us. And I think we rob ourselves um, because we don't ask him for the discernment and that's mm-hmm. strictly is just wisdom in this situation in this person or that person. And, and I tend to right or wrong. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I tend to hold back a little bit until I see, I will watch that person. I will watch their interaction with others. I will watch their faithfulness to church. I will watch, um, if they're parents, I will watch how they parent I'll just watch their character. Now, not mm-hmm. that I'm the judge of it, but mm-hmm. just to see if there's inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And then, or and trust then trustworthiness or. Yes, just to kind of mm-hmm. go full force or hold back a little, you know, right. uh, like I said, right or wrong. But I do pray, God, you've said, and he says, we have not because we don't want to ask. Well, and I like how you put that in terms of being prepared because. So many conversations and difficult moments that we encounter, especially as ministry wives and just as basic church members, um, is very unexpected sometimes. You know, people will all of a sudden, you know, it's not like you could prepare in advance for difficult conversations. Sometimes they just happen upon you and you do have to draw from what the Holy Spirit's already shown you or mm-hmm. or taught you. So I, I like how you put that yeah. in the context like that. And, and I, I literally, there are days because I do counsel women at the church, at the church, and I know so many different people's problems. There were days I will walk in and I'm like, and I'm saying to myself and to God, God, it's you and me. <laughs> it's you and me, kid. Let's walk in together, <laughs> you know, because I'm asking him, 
give me insight because things just happen. And in, and also in my counseling, I never know what someone's going to come into the office wanting or asking, or what are they going to throw in front of me that's happened? What, Mm -hmm. you know, what scripture am I going to need? So I'm so dependent on the spirit. And I think ministry, the traditional ministry wife, um, time helped me learn that is that I have to be so leaning on the spirit. And by the way, the number one thing you can do as a pastor's wife is have your relationship with God be so tight, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, um, and you know me, I always say, don't study the Bible for, to be a pastor's wife. Don't study it to be a good Christian. Don't say study it to know who God is Mm -hmm. because in Jesus's prayer, right before he went to the cross, in, in John 17, three, I believe it is, <clears throat> he prayed for the future saints that they would know him. He didn't pray that we'd be great Christians or be great at this or that. He prayed that we would know him. And as I do counseling, I realized the more the women know God, know him and his attributes and his personality, the calmer they are, the fears subside. And, and that's kind of where it starts to go away. Their, their struggles, their problems don't go away, but mm-hmm. they see it differently. Mm-hmm. Their ability to cope exactly. with it. Yes. They see better. the situation differently than what they did coming into it. And so it's a matter of the best thing you can do for as a pastor's wife is get to know God. Set out this next year. We're getting ready to enter a new year in a couple months. I would start out next year and every time I read the Bible and I do this today, I write, make a list of what it says about God. That you know, That's my main thing. I pick out what does it say about God in any story, any circumstance in scripture. And then, like I said, fears subside, but your relationship with God is so vitally important. And then the second thing I would say is your relationship with your husband. And that's hard as a minister's wife because you feel like they're being pulled in every direction a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, but one of the best things you can do for the church is let them see a good marriage, you know, and let them see. And sometimes that means, nope, you can't. We're not going to do this ministry, or no, we're not going to. You know, our children and I are are we're going to stay home tonight, or right, you know, right. Uh, there's that kind of thing because people will have you in every ministry that they're involved in. Mm-hmm. That's one of the other things is people think you have to be involved in the ministry that they are. Yeah. You just pulled in so many directions that exactly nobody can think, do that. Nobody can. And you have to say, I, I had to get to a point where ladies were all, Oh, do this, do this, do this. And I finally picked two things. I'm like, I'm doing two things in the church. I'm doing counseling and I'm doing, um, teaching women's Bible studies. Um, and well, I also take a Bible study so that I'm being filled too. So mm-hmm. you need to be filled, you know, whether you're listening to sermons, not that's above and beyond your quiet time. Right. Um, but, um, and I couldn't do anything else because they want you to be involved in everything. And I think a good response is, I love that you are called to this man. I love that so much, but I've prayed and, and I'm doing what God has called me to do at this time. If, mm-hmm. if I feel interest though, I'll be sure to come to you about this. And um, that's just a good response to a woman who says, you should come to this or you should do that, or you should do this. And you know, you don't have to do it all. Right. And even Jesus walked away from ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always a need There's always more kingdom work to be done. 
but we are not called to do all of it all of the time. Yes. And, and he did that, you know, as an example to us. I mean, he even told the disciples, get in the boat and let's get away from the people for a while. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a, that's a God thing too. But like I said, one of the other things you can do is show that you're um, a close family, that your marriage is good and that you're, you know, there's times when you have to parent and there are times that you're married, you need to get away. And um, I wish I could speak to church members. <laughs> First thing I would say is you need to be an advocate for your pastor instead of being one who draws from and be an advocate, protect them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we need to challenge the church. Hey, you're your pastor's protector. And um, I just challenged a group with that here. And they've like, oh, we're always just calling him and asking him for stuff. I said, why don't you <laughs> be a protector of your pastor where, where if you see someone's, get, you know, pr- help protect his time, help protect. And th- they just love that challenge. Nobody had ever told them that before, you know. And if I could say anything to pastors, I would say, date your wife. Date your wife. It's one of the best things you could do for the church is for them to see you have a good marriage. And that shows them balance. It shows boundaries. Okay. If you're saying that's one of the best things you can do, not only as a example to your people, but I imagine that comes up in conversation with um, (laughs) ministry wives during your counseling sessions sometimes. Yes, pastors become very busy and and men a lot of times and I I know this is generalizing but men can be task oriented. Um and I don't not not by their heart wanting to leave their wives out or not by the heart of it's just the church is so busy and so needy. Um you know, they have to be reminded sometimes a wife gently has to remind them like they're needy, but the best thing you could show them by their need is how our marriage works and that we're, you know, God first, then spouses, then children, then church, you know, church is Mm -hmm. a ministry. It's not your relationship with God. And this is where in ministry, it's hard to remember that church is your ministry. It's not your relationship with God. And so, um, is a ministry. So ministry comes behind your relationship with God, but because there's so many needs, you tend to want to, you know, just, let's just do it. Let's fix it. But then something else comes up. There's always going to be something always. And so, yeah, the whole concept of the tyranny of the urgent and, you know, you, you just do the minute you solve one crisis or get through one event, there's three more on the horizon that you've then got to immediately turn around and start preparing for. Yeah. And it, I think, it never ends. So the older, so the four pastors, wives I've counseled in the last couple of years, uh, I've, I've done two were younger, two were older. And so there's a danger that I see on both sides. The younger ones do everything all the time and they burn out fast. Mm. The older ones go to the extreme of like, I've already done that. I'm not doing it. I'm not getting involved. I'm not doing it, mm-hmm. you know, anything. I'm done, yeah. And so both sides are wrong. Both sides are not balanced. Um, that, and that's why I said, you know, pray again, ask for discernment. God, I, by the way, he has all resources in heaven and earth. The Bible says he has all the resources. So why wouldn't I ask the person with all resources and wisdom? He can see the future that we can't see. And so ask him for discernment. What do you want me to be involved in with the church? And what do you not want me to? But it also goes with, I've been involved with this for so long. It's easy. Is it time for me to pull back? You know, Mm -hmm. because that's another thing that's hard 
to get out of is things that you've done for so long, you know, and, and sometimes that takes some clever planning by getting someone in there and you kind of show them all the ropes, especially if you've been in charge of a certain, say, women's ministry or um, <clears throat> nursery, or you get someone in there and you show them what you've been doing, you know, train someone up, you know, start training someone, showing them the ropes, you know, and then where you can allow yourself a week off or two weeks off, whatever the ministry is that you're involved in. Um, to the point, if you know, God is calling you out of it, just don't say I'm done and, and leave them. Right. Right. So. Well, and I have found too, that a ministry I might be heavily involved in, in one church, mm-hmm. I don't do it at all at another church. And just because I was in the choir at my last church doesn't mean I'm going to be in the choir at this church or just because I taught children's church or women's ministry or whatever, because each congregation is different. Each church has different needs. Uh Um, We're in a different stage of life every time we move to a new ministry assignment and we need to have the, like you said, allow the Lord to say, okay, in this place, this is what I want you to do, um, which may or may not look like what you did before. But, right. but yeah, we I don't think we're locked into, well, right. I've always been in choir, so I've always got to be in choir or <laughs> right. teaching Sunday school or, you know, whatever it might be. Exactly. And like you said, there's seasons in life. We're entering the season of elderly parents. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we my husband and I have talked about, there might come a time when I have to set my biblical counseling aside for a while to go help take care of parents. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't know that that will happen, but we're trying to, you know, God, give us discernment. If that time comes, give us discernment, what it looks like, how we move forward. Um, Do I shift biblical counseling into video only and not office at the church? You know, there's just so many things, but that's, I'm saying this so that whatever ministry you're involved in, you stop and say, God, give me discernment. Now we can see something coming. We see something. <clears throat> how, how do we you know, navigate this in a way that always points to you? And, th- and that's mm-hmm. just something to keep in mind. Always point someone one step closer to Jesus. You know, if you can just keep that in mind, just point someone one step closer to Jesus, whether that's being gracious in telling them no, (laughs) or whether it's, you know, you need some time with that person. Okay. So what are some other things that, uh, I know you told me you had a little, a list of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of yes. uh, recurring or common issues that, yes. um, you're seeing ministry wives struggle with. Yes. And I talked a little bit, I talked about friendships uh-huh. and how that kind of flows in with people wanting to get to the pastor. So they'll use you to get to the pastor. Um, and then, you know, you can simply say, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Cause they're going to tell you what they want you to tell him, <laughs> you know, you do it for them. A lot of times it's not even that important. And so, um, so it's I, important I just, to them at yes, the moment it's important to them, but it's not maybe a, important in the big scheme of the church. Right. See, they only see what's important to them. And mm-hmm. we tend to do that too in areas, yeah. yeah. but they have to remember the pastor is the shepherd of the church. So he might see a bigger something going on that they don't even know about. And, right. you know, and so, you know, I simply say this or would start saying to someone, thank you for bringing this to my attention. But if you feel the pastor needs to know this, you need to tell this to him yourself. And, um, 
it, and it gives you a chance to tell your husband before so-and-so is going to come and see you. And this is the gist of what they're going to say. That gives him time to pray about it if it does get brought up. Now, what I have seen is a lot of times if you're not going to tell them, they're not either. So mm-hmm. it's been dropped and not brought up, whatever mm-hmm. the situation is. And that's been a blessing. But at least you've gone home and say, well, I talked to so-and-so. And I'm sure you or your husband have had these conversations before. So-and-so. Yeah, Greg has talked to me before about <laughs> he depends on me to kind of help him mm-hmm. kind of take the temperature, so to speak, mm-hmm. of what's going on in the church. Because I will see or hear things that he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we're spying on or you know, policing things, but just the more information he has Mm -hmm. about what's going on, the the wiser he will be in making decisions and things. It gives him opportunity, it gives the pastor, your husband, or the opportunity to pray about it and, and kind of have in their head how to respond. Um, But what I have found out is a lot of times when people come to you about something and you're not going to, tell the pastor, I don't tell them I'm going to tell the pastor, uh, you know, I just say, thank you for bringing attention. I would like for you to tell him. Then of course I do tell my husband because we don't keep anything away from each other. Um, I just had this actually happen to me the other day, even though I'm not a traditional wife, because I work in staff at the church, um, two women came up to me and they said, they're visitors and they've been visiting for a long time. Well, there's some things we don't like about the church. <laughs> and I'm looking at them like, you want me to do something about this? But what they wanted me to do is tell the pastor for them. Uh-huh. So I said, well, this is something that you're going to have to tell the pastor. But you have to remember, I, I would tell you, ask you to do this before you go and talk to him. Because I'm not going to tell him. I don't want to, I don't need to know these things. But I would like for you to remember this, write them down. And then as you write them down, look and see, is it preference or is it biblical? Mm-hmm. Is it a preference or is it biblical? And I knew what their things were and it was all preference. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly had to do with music. Oh, and yeah. So, yeah. The tempo, so, the volume, the yes. instrument. Yes. Or yeah. how we shake hands or what it was a yeah. lot of little ticky tacky things that had nothing to do scripturally. Right. So. Doesn't and, you have know, anything told, to do with reaching people who are dying right. without Jesus. Exactly. So I went into to protect my pastor mode, which, right. you know, and which is like, write them down and then look at them and see if it's preference or if it's scriptural. If it's scriptural, please bring them to his attention. If it's a preference, you have to remember there is no perfect church. We are a church full of sinners and allow people to be sinners, even our pastor, you know, and so they seem to be happy with that. And I haven't heard another thing about it. And I don't think they ever went to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that's that's just a good practical way um, when someone's wanting to get the, the pastor through you. And like I said, I'm not on the traditional pastor's wife role at this point, but I am on the staff. And so mm-hmm. staff gets that also. Mm-hmm. And so that's another area when someone wants to get to the pastor. And I think another thing is um, the last thing that I can remember or think of that several of these women, there are women in the church. They don't feel like they live up to. Does that make sense? They, the pastor's wife. Meeting expectations like, or yes, can't meet expectations. expectations or they don't feel like they have their act together. Like this woman in the church or this woman is so much better in the word or this. So a lot of times pastors wives, what I'm seeing is they beat themselves up. Mm. And, um, you know, that's not 
it's not really fair to do that because God created you in his image the way he needed you. There's a body that needs to be one and you shouldn't meet that expectation. Um, I have these five C's that I, that I go over with, um, with ladies that, and I, there's one is condemnation in Romans five, one said, there's no condemnation mm-hmm, for those who mm-hmm. are in Christ Jesus. And so if you're condemning yourself, I don't do this as good. I don't do that as good. I don't, now this is talking about sin, first of all, but when you're putting yourself down, that is sinful. And so if there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, then why are you condemning yourself? Mm-hmm. And the one way to know if you're condemning yourself is I've never, it's never, it's always, those are kind of condemnation phrases. And so you're not listening to God, you're listening to someone else and it's either you or the enemy. Well, and if it's sin, Mm -hmm. then we repent and we turn from it and you quit doing it. Correct. And that's the second C, that's conviction. Oh, okay. But so (laughs) so much of what we beat ourselves up about is, well, I can't sing like she can, or Mm -hmm. I can't. I'm not good working with children or I'm not good in front of a room. It's like, where in the Bible does it say you've got to do that to be a good Christian, to be a good wife, to be a good pastor's wife? It doesn't. And putting those burdens on ourselves that scripture does not put on us. Yes. And what we've done is we've set this standard for ourselves that God may not be calling us into. Again, Mm -hmm. you go back to discernment. God, give me wisdom. Do I even do that or not do that? And then, you know, then you're, you're okay. I'm not even called to do that. So I don't, I'm not supposed to be good in that area. And then it makes you grateful for those who are good in that area. Right. right. You know, I'm, I'm a great visionary. I can see you want something done with a certain ministry in the church. I can vision it all day long. Just don't ask me about the details. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so I will pick someone and I learned this from Dr. Rogers, you know, he picked men around him that were great at his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And he would mm-hmm. say, you know, I'm a people person. I'm not good administratively. And right. so he picked men who were great administratively. And I'm that same person. I can vision, I can say, oh, you want a bigger vision for this ministry? Okay, I can vision it all day long, but I need someone who's detail-oriented, mm-hmm. who typically are to more- To execute inter- the vision. To, to execute, because I'll forget yeah. the forks. You know, right. we're going to have a party, <laughs> I'll forget the forks. So, and and so be, you can free yourself up and say, I'm so thrilled that she's better at this than I am, because that's how God made her. And I need her. A good leader will pick people around them who are good at their- weaknesses. A mm-hmm. bad leader will pick yes men around them or yes right. women. Right. Yeah, we'll let yeah, them do yeah. everything. Right. And that doesn't work. You just, you look like a worse leader that way. A good mm-hmm. leader will say, here's my weaknesses. I need someone around me who has those strengths. Mm-hmm. And so then you began being happy about those people with those strengths instead of being envious or I don't meet to this standard. You're like, Oh, I'm so glad she can do that. That frees me up not to have to do that. So mm-hmm. it's just a different way of looking at that. And then, so don't condemn yourself. Um, also, if there's a confusing in a certain area, I'm confused. Should I do this? Should I not do this? And, you know, I think it's okay to say no for a while and say, it doesn't mean I'm saying no forever. It's just, I don't know yet. And God is not the author of confusion. Second mm-hmm. Timothy says. And so if I'm confused on this right now, I, it's, it probably means I don't need to know yet. Give me time. Give me more time to pray about it. And a lot of times, and I've seen it in my own life, in the meantime of praying, God works it out. 
And I'm like, oh, phew, I don't have to make that decision after all. And it's such a blessing. But one of the verses that I love is in Romans 8, 26. And I'll, I'll read it to you because it's just, it's just been the biggest blessing. It says, likewise, the spirit, by the way, remember the spirit's in us. That's a gift of the cross. The spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And that is just so sweet because it takes the pressure off of pastor's wife. Look, if you don't know how to discern a situation, ask for wisdom. And then sometimes I simply will say, God, will you just pray this for me? Because I don't even know how to pray. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, I will, and I'll groan for you. So he's, he's very invested in your prayers with you. And again, we look back, we forget the cross is not just for our eternity, but it's for everyday living. Mm-hmm. And it paid for us, the spirit in us. So we can run to him and ask for wisdom. We can ask for discernment. We can ask for him to groan when I, this person at church is causing trouble, Lord. And I don't know how to fight this battle. And he's like, but I do. And let me groan the right prayer for you. And let me step in and help. And I think we forget that God is for everyday life, not just eternity. Yeah, sometimes I have a vision of the Holy Spirit sitting in a corner in my heart, twiddling his thumbs, Mm. thinking, I came (laughs) to do mighty and wonderful things in your life to transform you, and you ignore me, you don't let me work, you're wasting my time. You know, you, you've totally, uh, like you said earlier, missed out on what the whole point of being a Christian is, is having the Spirit do the work in us that we cannot do ourselves. But so many times we we just bore the Holy Spirit to death because we, we sit Him in a corner and ignore Him yeah. and certainly don't let Him do His work in us. Or we go at the battle without praying first or without Mm -hmm. asking his help. And then Mm -hmm. it becomes a bigger battle and more entwined and more when I'm like, oh, if I just stopped in the beginning and said, I lay it over to you, God. Mm -hmm. I have a funny example. I have a sister who is in a cult and I've prayed for her for years and I told God how to save her. And I laugh about that now because... (laughs) I'm like, God, did I just tell you how to save my sister? And that sounds so funny, but for years I'm saying, okay, okay, God, get her husband saved. Someone from work, share the gospel, he'll get saved, and then she'll follow. Okay, that didn't work for about 10 years. So, okay, 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 God, okay, God, send one of her friends out of that cult to get saved, and then she'll hear, and then she'll get saved. And I just went on and on year after year with this whole new scenario. And then this verse in Roman just hit me, it's like, I'll groan for you because you don't even know how to pray right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I got so tickled when I read that. And I know the spirit must have been laughing. I think he's got a sense of humor. He's like, yeah, Tina, you've been trying to tell me how to save her, but I know how to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, 25 <laughs> years later, is she saved? No. Mm-hmm. I am starting to see some little glimmers, but, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, God, I've wasted all this time instead of just laying at your feet and saying, you're my advocate for this. 
I don't have to say the right prayer or say it the right way. I'm just begging you, you know, and I feel so much freer. And that's just a, a way, you know, and I use that as a, an example that I know as pastor's wife, there are incidences and things that come up and it's okay to say, God, I, will you just groan for me? Cause I don't mm-hmm. know how to even pray for this situation or pray for my husband, um, pray for this person, um, in the church who might be causing trouble or this person who needs help. And, you know, I don't know how to help them, you know, depending on the situation, there's always something. And, mm-hmm. um, and God's like, I'm, I'm here. Use me. I paid for that at the cross <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What piece of advice do you see helping ministry wives in particular have a light bulb moment, I guess, with, um, with thinking, okay, there is hope for this situation or there, I I don't know. You know, so many times we, we look at the negative so closely that we can't see any of the positive. Um, what, what is a word of encouragement or advice that yeah, you would, I would just give somebody to help change their perspective yeah. on whatever I would, they're I going would, through. I would say two things. Your relationship with God is number one, which I've said earlier. Two, remember God is working in the background. Hmm. He is working where you can't see. And so you don't have to know the answers. You know, I know we, I think especially as Western civilization, we want to know now we want the end. We want to know what the outcome is going to be. We want to know it now. But um, there is a preciousness with your relationship with God, with not knowing now and learning to wait um, and to be still and know that he is God. So I used to have a hard time with that because being still is probably my hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. But to be still and know that he is God means I might have to wait for an answer. I might have to wait, but no, when I'm being still, he is not, he he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Mm -hmm. So he's working in the background areas that I can't know or fathom. And and a good way to remember is look back at what's happened in the past in your life. Typically, when you see a situation, you kind of can figure out the outcome in your head or we try to. And then it works out totally different than you expected. Has that ever happened to you? Totally. I'm like, I could have mm-hmm. never thought it worked out this way. That's not at all what I'm, how I would have thought this would have worked out. That's God working in the background saying, I'll do it in my way so that I get glory, not in your way. Um, one of my favorite verses is 2 Timothy 10.5 that says, take those thoughts captive when you when things are taking over <laughs> your thoughts. Um, and he says, take it captive. But first, before he says, take it captive, lest these vain imaginations creep into your head. Mm-hmm. And we as women, I think are really good at this. We know a situation and we start thinking they're thinking this, they're doing this, they're doing it. Said, no, those are vain imaginations because we don't know what they're thinking. We don't know the outcome of the situation. We don't know what's going to happen. And it says, when these vain imaginations creep in, it goes against the knowledge of God. So when I'm not taking my thoughts captive, I don't know that whole situation, what that person's thinking. Then what I'm trying to do is be God. 
and Mm -hmm. we don't want to be God in our lives. And so take it captive so these vain imaginations don't creep in and go against the knowledge of God. And then he doesn't leave you hanging there. You know, Philippians 4, 8, is it true? Is it pure? Is Mm -hmm. it praiseworthy? And I used to have that mounted across my house all the time, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because think it says, not only think on these things, the original Greek would mean dwell, dwell is way different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's way different than just thinking on it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I will run that through. Okay. Now this person has hurt me or this situation is hurting is what I'm thinking about it true. A lot of times I have to say, well, I don't know that they're thinking that, you know, I think, and, you know, so I have to run it through that list. Uh, The other thing I would say is when you're, someone has hurt you or you're hurting, think of their heart. If someone has said something very ugly to you or a situation has become ugly, um, think of their heart. Did they, did they sit there and think, Hmm, I'm going to say this because I hope it hurts you to the core. Most of the time, that's not the case. Yeah. Most of the time, what I'm learning is they have made a mistake similar and they want to help you <laughs> in their way. Wrong, wrong though it may be, their heart is trying to protect you from hurting yourself further. Now, I'll give you a good example of that. I had someone I was counseling and her friend wanted to talk to me and I'm like, hmm, I never met this friend. I don't know this friend. She wanted to give me her insight on the situation. Okay. And yeah. And so I didn't allow that because what happened, the insight she wanted to give me happened to be her past, what mm. her dealing with something. And so she was coming at it from her point of view. And so she wasn't seeing it clearly for what the case was. She was seeing it from what had happened to her. So a lot of times when people say ugly things or negative things, think of their, stop and think about them as a person. Did they say that to hurt me to the core? 99% of the time, the answer is they didn't want to hurt. They didn't come up and say, I hope I hurt her to the core. And I'm going to say this. That's not typically what's happening. Typically they think they're genuinely helping. And um, that has helped me more than anything. Say, okay. Or they're expressing their own yes. hurt. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and they still think they're helping you. <laughs> well, you know? I think most people, most of the time have no idea that that landed in a sore spot yeah. in somebody else's life. You That's know, exactly right. they just, they're trying to be honest. They're trying to be authentic. Mm-hmm. They're trying to protect or whatever you know, and they weren't necessarily intending to hurt. And lots of times they're not aware that, Mm -hmm. that, that hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to be imitators of Christ as the Bible says. And so, and in James, he talks about the tongue as a small thing, but he can set something Mm -hmm. on fire. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm an imitator of Christ, I'm going to show grace and mercy in all situations. And then I could go away and say, you know what? I've represented Christ. I'm an ambassador for Christ. The Bible says you're an ambassador. An ambassador is somebody who represents, you know, if you send an ambassador for our country, that is someone who represents our country and puts its best foot forward. Mm -hmm. So I am an ambassador for Christ. The Bible talks about, so I am to put the best light of Christ on that I can. Um, 
with his help, again, I'll go back to the discernment. I need his discernment. I need his help. I need him to shut my mouth a lot. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Now, um, we need a whole counseling session on how to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, the tongue. That's a whole, that's a whole nother story. But um, yeah, but then you, you'll have pastor's wife. Now, that's more probably of an extrovert. There are introvert pastor's wife who beat themselves up because they feel like, um, and I have a couple of those who feel like, you know, they don't do enough, but they have tons of children right now and they're in a season. So you have to reassure them. God has given you work to do at home. This is a season. And, um, and I think you mentioned that Jane, that there's seasons in our lives that it's, it's okay to change. We don't like change. Typically women are maybe we less like change than men. Um, but, um, it's okay for change to happen. It's okay for a different season and it's okay to embrace that and not just feel sorrowful or mourn, you know, the past, you know, mourn it and go get past it, but don't Mm -hmm. stay there because then you're not being content. As the Bible says, learn to be content in whatever state you're in. And, um, that's, that's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. Um, well, those are some good words. And, you know, it, it, there is some degree of comfort we can take knowing that the feelings and the struggles that I'm going through, other women are experiencing the same thing and um, needing the same words of, of truth from God's word. And, you know, it's a, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So my right. problems are not unique to me or to my marriage or to my church. Yes. Everybody's going through stuff. Yes. So true. And, and that's why we long for heaven. <laughs> right. Right. But that's the yeah. only time we're not going to go through stuff. Yes. And, that's uh, right. and we're going to be free from criticism yeah. and free from hurtful actions and words and you know so but uh but remember we're sisters in christ run to each other and yeah. pray for each other and because there's gonna be a time when you need that and there's gonna be a time when someone else needs you to do that for them right and um you know i've encountered so many women who are not professional counselors but they have godly wisdom and experience that that is has been so helpful to me. I think of Sunday school teachers I've had over the years and just people that God has brought into my path that I did not expect to be close to. And, you know, they were able to teach me deeper things about the Lord, deeper things about His Word. Um. So, yeah, I think, uh, you you know, the more we talk to each other, other sisters in Christ. Right. Right. Um, we need, we need each other. We are the body. Yeah. That's why God puts us together. Right. We collectively are the bride of Christ. Exactly. Um, so. And that's why you and I can pick up after not talking for a year. We can pick right. up and we feel like we've seen each other yesterday. Right. Right. And, um, and I love that. I absolutely love that. And I know it's because the spirit is in both of us and it's our bond. Right. Right. 
Well, um, I know you have some books that you have written, and so uh, I want to, um, to to provide the information that if people would like um, to have more contact with you, how how can they how can they connect with you? Well, I have a um, Tina Thompson at releasedministries.com. They can go onto that website and see. Um, and, and I've written a book about my past. Now I became such, I became a counselor because my heart is to see people freed from um, depression and anxiety, which I had dealt with for so mm-hmm. long, eight mm-hmm. and a half years. And the doctor said I was manic depressive bipolar, but 32 years later, I'm still 100% <laughs> free. So, um, I guess they were wrong in that, um, said I would always, you know, always have to deal with it, always be on medicines and would never be free. And, um, you know, Jesus said he come to set the captive free. That's Luke four eighteen, and those who are oppressed. And, um, I think when this, the son has set me free mm-hmm. and so that's my passion. So I did write a book about, about how, what the verses that God used to help me free me from that. And it's called mm-hmm. released. Um, and then my second book is actually in the editing process as we speak <laughs> and, um, and it, um, yeah, it's not finished yet. So <laughs> okay. by the end of next year, it'll be finished. It's like I said, it's in the editing process and they've decided that maybe let's make it into a little Bible study instead of just a book. Oh, so. awesome. And do you counsel outside of your church position that you have? I absolutely do. So I am certified through a group called ACBC. Um, and so through that certification, they have a website so you can find a counselor. And when you go to their website, it's acbc.org. Um, it'll come up biblical counseling and you can find a counselor and find one in your area. Okay. So pastors know about ACBC. Okay. Well, I will put um, the information for your website and that ACBC um, in case mm-hmm. people want to pursue that, get more right. information on that. Right. So, yeah. well, Tina, thank you so much. It was um, great to hear your heart on, on this and gave some really, some, some great wisdom um, for some of these issues that we face. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And um, ladies, I hope this has been a blessing to you um, to know that, you know, you're not alone in whatever you may be facing, and there is truth in God's Word. There is um, wisdom out there that's available for us to maybe get some more individualized um, counsel and help, and so I would encourage you to uh, pursue some of those avenues if you think that would be helpful. And um, I just want to say, may God bless you and your ministry, your marriage, your family. And until we meet again, um, keep loving Jesus, keep loving your husbands, and keep loving your people. 